Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. So we're back on the show with the Traveling Image Makers podcast. While the rest of the world seems to be slowly shutting down, we are still open. We're still producing new episodes. And I hope uh, you'll keep following us from wherever you are in the world, including Chicago. Where, uh, Ralph, you there, right? I am in Chicago. And uh, the spring weather is breaking, so that's a good thing. That's able good to get thing. outside. Great. How about, uh, how about you? How's things there in Italy? Uh, the weather today was not great. It's been a bit cold and windy for a couple of days. I uh, hope the forecast will get better soon. Not sure if we'll be able to <laughs> exploit to, to make use of that weather, but we have hope. Uh, the flowers are blooming. We hope to go yes. out and, and smell them someday. So, and... Um, Today we have uh, uh, one of our favorite guests. I think she's been on the on the show for a couple of times already, uh, connecting with us from her home in Minneapolis. We have Valérie Jardin. Hi, Valérie. How are you doing? Hello. Bonjour. Uh, doing well, considering. And uh, yeah, waiting to watch the grass grow here in the Northland. And uh, it's going to be really nice when things green up a little bit, cheer everybody up. We need some some warmth. Uh, the snow is melted. And uh, since we're all kind of stuck, uh, it makes a huge difference. Even I, I was talking with friends, even if they are in confinement, just seeing the sunshine, it just lifts your spirit. So um, I'm kind of glad it's not January right now. That would yeah, be pretty tough up here. But by the way, yesterday we had snow in the south Italy here. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it was windy and gray in the north, a bit colder than it was the other days, the previous days. But in the sun, in the south, they had snow in Crazy. March, which is pretty wow. unusual. Yeah, but it, yeah, I think starting it, to see some. Oh, sorry. That's yeah. uh, that's amazing that you had that in the south. But uh, starting to see some uh, buds on the trees here, so that's a good thing. Looking forward yep. to spring. Great. So, as I said, we've uh, welcome Valerie. Welcome back to the show. It's been a, it's been a while, but it's always a great pleasure to have you here. And uh, tell us uh, about what's um, what's new in your uh, in your life. I know you recently returned from France. Uh, where you were there for workshops and vacations. Mm -hmm. Yep, I was actually teaching in uh, uh, Lisbon, Portugal, mm -hmm. uh, early March, the first week of March. Oh, it was heaven. And I don't know if it feels even sweeter now that, you know, the storm hit as soon as I got back. But just to have that workshop where my little group of, of uh, participants and who were all friends from previous workshops, actually, we were so so sheltered from the world news and, and things were starting to brew, but it was still really, really a happy time. And uh, nothing, you know, uh, nothing was happening in Portugal. It was one of the sweetest workshop experiences ever and now it seems like it was a million years ago so um so lisbon was awesome i just can't wait I, I just totally fell in love with the with the city and i'm going to run that workshop next year for sure and i just can't wait to go there again then after that you, uh, yep go ahead. sorry valerie are, are you doing just portugal on that that workshop that workshop I mean, was me, just, just uh, yeah. That was just Lisbon for this year. Was a four-day street photography intensive workshop. Mm, but gotcha. I may extend a little bit longer next year. Maybe hit another city for a day. Um, yeah, uh, really, I, I'm. I, I'd like to spend more time there. So it may be a little bit longer workshop next year. So we'll see. But it was my first time yeah. there. I hired mm. a, a wonderful local guide and. Uh, it was just a really, really the highlight of the month of March. That's for sure. <laughs> it was all downhill right. from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lisbon is lovely. One of my favorite cities in the world. And I'd love yeah, to, to go back. So. Yeah. 
So amazing. So, and then uh, spent a few days in Normandy after that, getting my getting my family situated. My parents are living in their homes there and uh, getting them ready for their confinement. And uh, which I'm so glad I had that time. And uh, then I pretty much caught the last plane out of there to get back to Minneapolis um, as everything was shutting down here too at about the same time. So I've been in self-quarantine since um, since I got back because of the CDC regulation if you came back from a hot spot. Uh, so, but it's, it's good. Been busy, you know, well, because I had to cancel a couple of workshops. Borders are closed. Uh, nobody wants to travel this spring. I started... Um, some online classes and I'm still podcasting and writing and it's okay. It's just an adjustment. It will, it will get better, but yeah, it's uh, we all, we all have to, to find ways to cope with this. So it's planning ahead. I think that's what's going to save us is plan the next vacation, the next trip. And I think that's what's um, it's giving people hope is that they, you know, it's not going to be like this forever. We'll, we'll be on airplanes again and enjoying the fresh air and friends and hugging each other. Yeah, so we've got to keep that in mind. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the next round of workshops look, in France and elsewhere. Looking forward to that. I expect that people will want to travel even more after they've been confined for, right. for maybe a couple months or so. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure many people know that Right now you live in the U.S., but uh, you're originally from France, mm -hmm. right? And I'm a French citizen. You're actually. still a French citizen, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I thought we could talk about France because I don't think we had ever had an episode that was specifically about France. So mm -hmm. of course, people, uh, many people have already been to France. Many people have an idea of what it, France is like because they've seen countless French movies, maybe. That's right. <laughs> so they know Paris, at least. Um, so I wanted to, to have this episode about France. Maybe one day we'll do an episode about Minneapolis. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's a pretty cool place, too. Yeah, but they told not us. as much to talk about. Great town. Yeah. Great town. <laughs> it is. Uh, so tell us a bit about your, your favorite spots in France. I know you frequently go to Paris, of course. Uh, you go to Normandy because you have a house there. Uh, you were thinking of going to, to Nice. Uh, yeah, by the way, I think, my... yeah, you had a, a workshop there planned. You were going to collaborate with our common friend, Pia Paroline, who was recently on the show as well. But that's, uh, that's been put on hold, so to speak. Yep. So, yeah, so I, I love, I mean, I love my country. And I think when you're, when you're uh, removed from it, <laughs> you learn to appreciate even more. Uh, and I've lived in the States half my life. So I, whenever I go, I go home, I, I, I love it more and more. And I think I've become more French the older I get. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Paris is, Paris is my favorite city in the world. And uh, that is the one city that I feel like I would never get, I would never need a break from. Um, I I'll, I can be on the, the same streets with my camera day in and day out. As a street photographer, there are, there are very few places that really compete. Um, I mean, and, and it is the birthplace of street photography. And uh, so when I'm in Paris, my favorite places, well, my, my workshops are based on the fifth district, which is near Pantheon, the Pantheon in Paris, um, not to mistake with the Pantheon in, uh, in Italy. It, 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 Italian cities. The Pantheon is actually not that old of a building, but it's that really huge building um, that um, that is on the hill, not too far from the Luxembourg Garden. And uh, so that's really home base. It's Hemingway's neighborhood. Actually, the little place that I um, that I rent in Paris that I stay at is just around the corner uh, from Hemingway's first apartment when he stayed with Hadley his first year in Paris and he would walk down to the Shakespeare bookstore to pick up his book. So that's just really right around the corner. I could pretty almost throw a rock at it. So that's, that's my home away from home. And, and Paris is beautiful. I, I, there's, I love that neighborhood so much because it's, 
anywhere you're in Paris, it's like a village. You know, you're in a neighborhood like the fifth district. That part of the fifth district, for example, is like its own little village. You see the same people on the street every day, every day, year after year, walking the same dogs, and then and then a new dog, and then <laughs> uh, you know, doing their getting their baguette in the morning, and and you know, you know, I know all the cafe waiters, and um, it's just that neighborhood that I just love, 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 and it's quite, you know, it's it's not super touristy. It's easy to just stay away from the tourist spots uh in paris like like you can in other uh, other big cities as well um more in some cities than others um so that's that's home home base in paris is the fifth district and that's where um, i base my workshops because you can pretty much walk anywhere from there now do you do you stay in airbnbs do you have your own flat there um i rent from a, a i rent from a friend Okay. Um, and it's like, it used to be an Airbnb, but now Airbnb has cracked down on, uh, on a lot of, uh, well, no, uh, the French government has cracked down on a lot of Airbnb, uh, places mm-hmm. in Paris. So that, that flat is no longer available in Airbnb, but I, um, he still lets me use it. So, uh, so it's, gotcha. it, it feels like home, but that's really important when you end up, when you are in the place, um, on a regular basis to, to feel like it's at home having that when you travel a lot that that surprise component if you can remove that from the equation you know when you arrive somewhere new and it's like you know you're disappointed or it's not quite like it said on the brochure or uh, and you're tired and you're like oh that's just not as nice as it was on the pictures that's something i try to avoid as much as possible so when i find a good place I stick with it. Like I have the perfect place in Rome. And every time I've been to Rome, I only stay at that place because it, it's familiar. And that's so important when you travel for work. I want to warn everybody who is listening here, if you ever go to Paris with Valerie, when she says, I'll take a walk around. I mean, th- that means, I mean, I remember when we were in Paris together and we met, was that near the Palais Royale? And we walked all the way to Place de la République, which for people who know Paris, it's maybe five or six, six, seven kilometers, and then all the way back. I walk That's your idea of walking around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I am tireless. I'll, I mean, if I'm by myself, I'll, I'll easily do a 20K. Easily. Um, Of course, when I'm with my, my workshop students, we do a lot less but I actually pretty much double the mileage that my students do because when we are in a location where they spread out to work on an assignment that's when I zigzag from one to the other so I notice that I pretty much double the mileage that they do on a on an on an average day but I love it I'm tireless I could walk forever I've never been tired of walking in my life (laughs) that's great Um, I was going to ask you uh, what do you do uh, you know you you travel quite a bit all three of us do and uh, what do you do to to make a place your own or to feel like a local or you know that the you, you come to an airbnb you're going to be there for uh, maybe a week or two and what do you do to make it yours as much as possible do you have any tricks um i unpack right away i like to have my stuff hanging in the closet and my suitcase if i can put it out of sight I do. Um, and um, that's kind of my routine. I walk in, I unpack, I go to the little grocery store, I get what I need for a few days, uh, for at least for breakfast. And, um, and I like to have, um, I, it's not like I need a, a lot of space, but I always rent a place with a wash machine because uh, I don't have time to run and get some laundry done when I'm tra- when I'm teaching, and and then it's easier to pack too if you know you're going to be able to wash and that stuff. So those are all the check boxes when I look for a place that has to have a wash machine, and. Yep. Uh, and I don't, I don't even care, you know, sometimes they, if I go to a new place, they show you, oh, there's the TV. It's like, ah, don't worry about it. I, I've never used a TV at an Airbnb. Uh, yeah. I don't care about that. It's just, I need to have a nice workspace, uh, a comfortable bed. And uh, yeah, it, it has to be in the heart of the action. So I, and, and even when we travel as a family, even when the kids were little, we would always stay in the heart of a big city. Um, I think 
I preferred to save on other things. You know, when we were traveling and we we're more on a budget, uh, traveling with young children, and um, stay in the heart of things and just cook your own meals if you need to save money on something. Um, but it, that way you can go back and you can go back out because if you stay outside of the city, like in the suburbs, just to save a few bucks, you probably won't go out again after you took public transportation to get back, to take a shower. And then it's like, oh, I have to go back. I have to take public transportation again. And so if you stay in the heart of the action, that's the best. So, and it's still cheaper than staying in hotels. I, I really don't like hotels very much. I feel very restless in a hotel. Uh, so, so it's a good point. And, and so how many days uh, minimum do you need to be staying at a place that you will unpack like that? Or is it even just for one night? Oh, no, um, I really I never really stay anywhere just for one night. So it's a minimum. Um, if I'm teaching three, four days, then I'll still be there for seven. And uh, but usually they're longer workshops anyway. So I'll be there for nine to 10 days. And if the workshop is six or seven days, so I'll try. I That's one thing now. I, I don't mind leaving immediately after the workshop. I mean, I usually I'm on the plane the next morning. If it ends like at 10 p.m. the next morning at 6 a.m. I'm back to the airport. Because to me, after the workshop, it's kind of a... Um, I feel kind of down that it's over. And so uh, I don't... I, I prefer to leave at the same time as everybody else. Whereas I, I love getting in early though and having time to catch up on sleep and then um, and then go to my favorite spots. That's when I'll I'll hit the streets right away. I mean, I it doesn't matter if I don't even get an hour of sleep on the transatlantic. I'm out all day with my camera and I go to my favorite spots and and it's it's home again. So I I do that and I like to have a couple days at least before the workshop starts so that I'm 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 uh, I'm rested. As a, I think sleep has got a lot more important as uh, as I've discovered how good it feels to have a good night's sleep. For a long time, I was really going on very short nights. But now that I actually understand how good it feels to have a good night's sleep, this has, I value that very, very much. So, You said before that the older you get, the more French you feel. What, <laughs> what does it actually mean to be French? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm stubborn. I'm uh, opinionated. Um, I'm not afraid to <laughs> to tell my opinions. <laughs> I don't know. What does it mean to be French? Um, you tell me. <laughs> I'm still a pretty mild French. I mean, I used to be a lot more, uh, a lot more. Actually, probably was a lot more French than I am now. I'm pretty mellow now. But um, you know, the French are never satisfied. I'm I it. it that is very much a trait. Um, and uh, and I try not to be like that because I've been removed from it for so long. And when I <laughs> see the French Harris complain, it kind of drives me nuts because I live in the U.S. We have a lot more to complain about. And so <laughs> I'm like, really? You know, when I see my friends and family in France complaining about this and that, I'm like, you have no idea how nice you have it. <laughs> Try to step into an American worker's shoes for a while and see how much tougher it is. So um, so that I don't have much patience with anymore. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm, I just, I don't know. I, I like um, the, everything, every, the social life in France, cafe life. And I can't even imagine right now that everything has been shut down, how it would feel like. Uh, that is so so important, and being able to to take your time, which no one does in the U.S. Everybody's always working and in a hurry. Uh, I mean, the French definitely work to live; they don't live to work, and that's the biggest difference between the two cultures. Is it true that the Parisians, especially, are rude? <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's you know, the kind of a bad <laughs> reputation they have, but I don't believe it's true. See, I, I really think that reflects on the on that reflects more on the person who says that than it does yeah. on the French, because sure. a lot of people are bad tourists, too. And I mean, look, at this is a city that has the is the most visited city in the world, I believe. And uh, so not everyone is cut out to be in the tourist industry. There is no doubt there are plenty of uh, of of 
waiters, for example, in restaurants that are rude. Yeah, but there are plenty of them anywhere else in the world. So I mean, go to New York. Uh, so it, it's not that uncommon that you have really a, a, a terrible service like anywhere else. Uh, same in Minneapolis. So um, I find that it's not rude. I think you just have to you have to go with the flow. And, and when I remind my students that all the time. Said, so, you know, the French don't wait in line. They'll cut in line. Just embrace it. That is cultural difference. Um, the French will roll their eyes and things like that. It's not rude. It's just, you know, always say all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not rude. That is no. just something. I mean, we even write it. You know, I have a friend. We, we uh, exchange WhatsApp daily and uh half of our whatsapp are pfffff which is like you know we, we say that all the time so we actually write it <laughs> but it's not rude it's just a cultural thing and it, it, it's it's fun i, I don't know we, we, as with all countries i mean there's definitely a difference between city people and country yeah. or village people who live in small towns and so on there might be a bit more uh, relaxed people who live in a big city they've got traffic and they got everything going on fast and more probably more issues problems i don't know and makes people a little less patient so that that's oh, probably where the, oh. the thing comes from yeah and even then you know uh, when when i'm in paris and a lot of my workshop participants have been to paris many times before some of them are, are the first time there and it's the workshop experience and they're just blown away at how friendly people are i mean we've had people just go out of their way to show us uh, uh something that is you know that we would have never found on our own and everything people are super friendly in paris if you take the time uh to to talk with them and uh and and if you're patient with them they'll be very patient with you but then you go to the you know i'm from normandy and of course you go to you go outside of the city and that's two and a half hours uh northwest um right on the coast my my family was actually my parents were little kids but they were there on d-day right you know really close to Omaha beach and uh, so you go there and 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 it's a different pace absolutely and and i love showing people that part of the country uh besides you know paris it's like it's like going to to new york or la and that's what you know and and saying oh i've been to the states no you haven't you've been to la or new york but that is not the state so um so, so i think exploring other parts of france people are very different especially on normandy you know if you if you come from uh if you any of the uh, allies country you're like gods and but even then everybody is so welcome it's probably the uh, it, in a on any given day when you driving around normandy you'll probably see license plates from you know 25 different countries um uh, from all over europe and uh people are just uh are people love it it's beautiful and people are really friendly what are some other parts of france that people should keep in mind when they're visiting your country Oh, it all depends what they like. I, you know, Brittany is so beautiful. The 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 coastline is amazing. Um, so if you don't mind a little rain, uh, that's a beautiful part of the country. Um, I love the French Alps. Um, I really, really love that part. Chamonix, where um, mountaineering actually became a sport. Uh, it, it's such a healthy, fun city. I love that part of, of France as well. Um, but Alsace is beautiful. Yeah, there every there's the thing about France. It has pretty much everything, uh, everything you need from. I mean, you can you can be a surfer and you can be a mountaineer and you have it all. So um, it it there is something for everyone for sure. I, I've spent a fair amount of time in Paris, uh, but it's been quite a while. But uh, just this past year, I spent a fair amount of time in uh, Provence and the Dordogne region, which I hadn't ever been to Dordogne, uh, but I uh, had been to the, the Côte d'Azur uh, many, many years ago. But uh, fell in love with it and uh, really, really enjoyed it. I saw so many wonderful sights. And of course, everyone talks about the food, but um, I, you know, I was amazed how great the pizza was 
<laughs> in, uh, <laughs> Can't go in wrong yeah oh my god it was so so good and i'm from chicago where uh, we think that we've got some of the best in the world and i think we do but uh, it's a very different kind of course yeah but uh yeah i mean uh, certainly the food but uh and it, and it didn't have to be what's you know would traditionally be considered french food i guess but uh it was just quality like everything else really and, really wonderful and it- in France, do I think it's actually hard um, to uh, to find? I mean, yeah, they'll you'll you'll find bad 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 service and you'll find bad food. But the French are really really proud of their of their cuisine. So um, even in places where you'd expect, like, oh, they'll take advantage of the location. Like, for example, you go to the 58 Eiffel Tower, um, which is the the restaurant on the second level and I've taken um, some of my clients there. It's, it's a pretty fancy restaurant, you know, it's, uh, and uh, it's very expensive. Um, but you'd think, well, service may not be that great because it's at the Eiffel Tower and they could probably skimp on the quality because you have the site, you have the view and everything, but it's not true. It is top notch quality. Um, so and you, yeah, you, you, you're in a amazing location, but you're going to have really good food. Whereas I found that, um, you know, I've eaten at some places and in, in some, uh, special, uh, landmarks, for example, or whether it's in Canada or in the U S and it, basically you're paying for the view because the food is going to be really, really subpar. Whereas that's something that you really, really find in France. Um, they really pride themselves themselves for the, the quality of, of, of the, the food. So Ralph, you were thinking, well, you were, sorry, say that again. So Ralph, I know you had plans to uh, do a little tour of the Dordogne region. And you also, of course, did some scouting there. Uh, as well as the Provence. So what are, what are your impressions? Why Dordogne in, in particular, which is not exactly an area that is, uh, I mean, people go to Côte d'Azur, of course, Normandy, Provence, Paris, and, and other cities, but Dordogne, I I would be, it would be difficult to me to place it on the map, honestly. I have a vague idea of where it is. So what's so great about that region specifically that drew you there? Well, I think exactly what you just said is that not too many people know about it um, because the other regions are so popular, but uh, that's not entirely true. Uh, I was uh, invited by a man who owns a private castle in the Dordogne region. And so it just so happened um, that out of the blue, he emailed me and uh, said that he's starting to do some some uh, painting groups and some photography groups. And he just Googled me and saw that I do tours and asked if I'd be interested in uh, checking out his, uh, his castle in the region uh, in Dordogne that he is. He's in the, the Perigord Vert. And uh, so I was like, absolutely, I'd love to check it out. And uh, just had the most amazing time. Uh, if you look in the dictionary under castle there would be a picture of this place yeah it's so yeah it's very fairy tale like oh unbelievable it's like an 11th century castle and uh he said he bought it with a table and two chairs in it and now it is like a museum he's had it for 30 years and he's a collector but the tapestries and stained glass and coats of armor and furniture is just just stunning so uh, I, I fell in love with it. It's such a beautiful region. Not a lot of tourism there, but uh, great restaurants. And um, and I, I think I mentioned before, though, I, I created this new brand called A La Campagna Experiences, which are uh, we're going to be staying in one, maybe two locations over the course of a shorter trip of seven to ten days instead of packing and unpacking and seeing a whole country or region uh, we'll just concentrate on a small area, but also that the, the accommodations, the place that we're staying, are a destination in themselves. Mm-hmm. And so certainly this 11th century castle is just that. I mean, people are not going to mind if they stay at the, quote, hotel uh, instead of always trying to get away from the hotel, which can happen on on some trips. 
So, so, it's a so bit that was like, the idea. It's, it's a bit like being transported back in time. Oh, which absolutely. Is, which is kind of a like pun a because, you know, did you read Michael Crichton, Crichton's novel Timeline? Or no. some movie, yeah. That's a that's a that's a novel about time travel essentially, and the mm -hmm. part of it that is about time travel, those people are in nowadays U.S. the U.S., but they are transported in time back to 13th century Dordogne, <laughs> so it's actually the same region that. Uh, uh, so they they oh, find wow. themselves in a castle there and. You oh, you have been... to read that now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to put that on the list. <laughs> it was not a great novel. I have to say it was not the greatest oh, novel great. ever, but it was, uh, it was an adventure <laughs> novel with this yeah. time travel. But there was a good point about, you know, not having to pack and unpack every day. And that's how I used to run my Normandy tour where it's um, we, we'd go to four different hotels in seven nights. But now... I have everybody in a five-star beachfront historical hotel and where Marcel Proust actually wrote In Search of Lost Time. And wow. uh, so they have the full five-star experience. And then every day I have a chauffeur and, uh, and a, 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 a small bus, comfortable bus, little Mercedes bus uh, that picks us up and we go on uh, on adventures every day but every every night we go back to base camp and and that luxury um and so the people love it I, I've, I've i ran the other tour many times um and and people loved it too because we'd spend you know the night on on the island of mont saint michel and things like that but it gets really stressful to pack unpack uh whereas here you just uh you can really settle, and you're in this this absolutely fairy tale place, um, and one of the most I mean, it is the most beautiful hotel north of Paris, and uh, and people don't want to leave. And then every day we just uh, we have special photography adventures. Um, people people enjoy that, you know, not having to to be on the go 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 all the time because then they can focus on their photography more. Yeah, and and for us it's uh, it's going to be like. And I'm sure for you too, it's like a hub and spoke. So you're you're based mm -hmm. in one place, and then every day you do a, a a half day or a day trip from there. But you come back to the same place, and oh. you don't feel like you have, you know, spend an hour packing to get there, an hour unpacking when you get there to the place to the next place. So uh, it, it just uh, like you say gives you more time for photography, for other enjoyments, uh, mm -hmm. just uh, kind of just getting into the culture. Which yeah. is uh, what I'm, I'm really into now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and that that trip for me, it's the only one that's still all inclusive in all my trips. Um, but it's it's so special. It's home, and I have all the the family history in that region, and uh, and I want people to have that that experience that's why that workshop you have only that one option of staying in that that amazing place I get picked up in paris dropped off in paris again it's you don't have to worry about a thing and um and it's i mean for the the tour leader it's a lot more work when you're you know you have to wear many more hats because you take care of so many more details but um but then you know that you know, you are giving your client really the experience that um, you want for them. So. Valérie, do you have any other part of France that you would suggest that people visit that it's kind of off the beaten path? I mean, I've been to, I've been to Paris many times. I've been to Normandy once, a little yeah. bit of Bretagne and the south, of course. But where else can people go that it's still maybe undiscovered? Oh, well, even Burgundy is beautiful. And I don't think a lot of a lot of people even think about going there. It's really a beautiful region. And the the thing is, a lot of people just want to see too much and then they don't see anything. It's like, uh, you know, Europe in five days and all you do is go London, Paris, Rome and and you come back and you don't remember where was what. And, and what's the point of that? Just focus on one area. If you if you're in Paris, you know, just don't try to see it all. If you in a region, just focus on on that region. Take the time. Um, that's one thing. Just take the time to to slow down. You know, sit at a cafe, 
um, and and then watch watch life, not run, 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 run. People don't see anything if they do that. Whatever region they this, and then talk with the locals. People love it, even if you don't speak the language. People are always so accommodating. They'll 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 find you. You always find a way to communicate. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Valerie. And uh, the the idea that uh, just go 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 and trying to see everything. I mean, I I've I guess when I was very young, you know, my 20s, I probably was more like that. And I think I spent six weeks in Europe after college and probably went to 12 different countries, you know, <laughs> just ridiculous. Um, but it's like the, the older I get, the more I want to just sit in a cafe and watch the world go by, mm-hmm. sit at a pub and meet, you know, the guy sitting next to me that's been coming there for 30 years and uh, it's it becomes more about the people. Yep. And and my clients were asking me for this kind of trip. And that's part of the reason that I created this new brand was to, because many clients were asking me for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, absolutely. And, you know, that's what you remember from a place. I, m- my kids uh, now are both, you know, in their 20s, or, but they've been traveling all over since they were babies. And when we talk about any country, whether it was their visit to to Germany a few times or the Czech Republic or wherever we took them, Belgium, um, they remember the people. It's always the one thing that stands out. Oh yeah, I remember that day we met that guy in the, you know, at that restaurant and he took us around or that's what sticks uh that's what sticks actually that's what made that trip special it wasn't you know being on the top of the eiffel tower it was meeting you know the 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 local who walks their dog every day to get their bread and uh and chatting with them every day uh that's what makes something special it's all about people i have uh, another literally literary reference that I just uh, mm-hmm. just occurred to me. Uh, You've been reading a lot lately, Hugo. No, no yeah. not lately. These are all books that I, that I read many years ago. I don't read as much nowadays. I only read books about <laughs> photography and marketing, and <laughs> those kind of things. But no, uh, years ago, I was a big fan of uh, Daniel Pernac. Do you know Pernac? No. No, that's a, he's a French author, but he was incredibly popular in Italy. Uh, he did a series of uh, books about his family. Uh, the, it was the Malos, called the Malosen saga because the, the protagonist was called Benjamin Malosen. And all the books are set in this neighborhood in, in Paris, Belleville. Oh, yeah. Love you know, it. Belleville, Love yeah. It. So I, was, uh, I, I went there once. I was in, once in Belleville and... I wanted to, I was not there long enough to try to find all the, the places that are mentioned in the books. So is that, is that a good area to, a nice area to visit? Belleville, yes, it's still kind of uh, untouched. Um, it's starting to, to change. It's a good time to visit it. I actually, it was one of my photo walks because um, I change my photo walks all the time, but I have some favorites that, you know, I don't get tired of them. So um, I don't think my clients would get tired of them, even if they come to Paris for the second or third time with me. But um, I usually have one or two new photo walks every year. And Belleville was one of them last year. And uh, so it's a little more gritty. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's uh, you know, it has the steps kind of in, like Montmartre, but no tourists. So... It's uh, it, it's definitely a, an interesting uh, spot in Paris that I would encourage people to explore. I mean, it's it's just as safe as you know the um, anywhere else in in the center of Paris, but um, it's less definitely less traveled. So it's it's one of those neighborhoods that you just want to take the time, just go through those little uh, narrow little streets and wander. You know, that's what I always say. I always walk into places, even if I see a door open and somebody's walking in, it just, you know, it's like, oh, maybe I'll come right after them. And, you know, um, <laughs> I, it's, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. And honestly, I've, I've discovered the best places and met the most wonderful people that way. Um, just, uh, just taking a chance. So, uh, I mean, don't do anything illegal, but if you if you see a courtyard that's open, um, 
just walk in and and see and and people will tell you oh no that's a private property or whatever and yeah just wave and leave but um that's where you see all the the nuggets i think yeah the, the way yeah. the that neighborhood is depicted in the books is definitely as a place where still that kind of feeling of the old paris where yes no tourists mm -hmm. and uh, it was also, I don't know if it's still, but a place where there were a lot of uh, immigrants, especially from Northern Africa. So mm -hmm. uh, the protagonist, there's a lot of friends who are Moroccan or Algerian, and they have places where they sell kebab or falafel and those ethnic foods. Yep. And it's very yeah, multi-ethnic neighborhood, but it is. It's it's a, it's a great neighborhood. Um, it's a totally a different vibe from. Uh, you know, f from anywhere else in Paris, um, it really is worth checking out. I'm glad you uh, you brought that up. So I, I thought that was those books were popular in France too, but apparently, well, they might be. You, I have, you know, I no. um, I You're although American. I do buy books when I'm in France, but I've been away for a long time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> if I could uh, mention just one more region, uh, of course. Uh, most people have heard of Provence, but that's a very large region mm -hmm. of southern France. And uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but the Luberon. Luberon, the, yeah. Luberon, uh, I believe would maybe be considered sort of a sub-region of Provence. Uh, you know, and kind of a small... Like where Peter Mayall's books are, exactly. are based. Yeah. 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 So, I I mean, that's how I was turned on to that, you know, Provence in general was from Peter Mayall's books, you know, A Year in Provence and oh. Toujours Provence, so like a lot of people. And so I, I read those books probably 30, 35 years ago, maybe 30 years ago. And uh, so to get there to see some of these places in the actual town, Menerbe, where he lived and uh, Gord and Lacoste and some just Roussillon, just beautiful places. Uh, Fontaine de Vaucluse, just and it's such a small region that you can drive around almost anywhere within 30 minutes and be in another amazing village. And so I, I just fell in love with that region. And and it's the best way is to just rent a car. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of trains in France, but. Well, trains can be a big pain too because they don't always yeah. run, and um, <laughs> yeah. and and they don't go to these small small towns, exactly. do they? Mostly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I I I don't I don't own a car in France because it it would be silly. Renting is so cheap. Uh, yeah. Renting a car in France is much cheaper than it is in the U.S. I find, and. Um, I just pick up the car at uh, CDG and I drop it off at CDG on my way back. And uh, it's nice to have that uh, that freedom to just, especially when you're a photographer, um, to explore and and uh, and get off the beaten path, which the train is not going to take you off the beaten path. No, and it, it, I mean, uh, you know, renting a car was absolutely fantastic. And that, that was the second time I'd ever rented a car in Europe, and I've been going there for 40 years. And uh, boy, did I, that was quite a lesson just, uh, you know, renting a car in France. But um, the ability to get off, you know, to side roads and to pull over when you see that amazing field of red poppies and mm -hmm. old farmhouses and olive groves. Oh my God, what freedom. And, and like you say, the, the, the price, it was very inexpensive, uh, you know, especially if you're sharing with someone else, but that is the way to go, uh, yeah. in, in these, especially in these smaller parts of uh, regions of, of France and anywhere really. Absolutely, yeah, and um, also, oh, I don't know, I completely lost what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, never mind, Scott. <laughs> what I've, I've got, I got down to uh, Cassis, which is on on uh -huh. the on the sea there, which was absolutely fantastic. Fell in love with it. Uh, did not get to Marseille, other than dropping the car off and flying out, but. I've heard it's somewhat gritty, but it's supposed to be fantastic. And, and you're Camard. not a street photographer, so you'd go straight to the big city. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I love big cities. I mean, yeah, yeah. but I'm, I don't consider myself a street photographer. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's so beautiful. Again, mm -hmm. you can't go wrong if you plan on spending a few weeks in France, whatever you, wherever you go. Yeah. Um, but just don't, you know, 
spend a few days in Paris. I mean, the Loire Valley is really accessible from Paris. People often ask, oh, where can I go for a two-day trip from Paris? Well, the Loire Valley is is really close, um, easier even than going to Normandy. So uh, people don't realize actually how big of a country it is. Uh, just from Paris to Mont Saint-Michel, you know, the island, um, the abbey on the island uh, at mm-hmm. the edge of, between Brittany and it's in Normandy, but it's right at the edge of Brittany. Um, that's that's a good, let's see, five-hour drive from Paris. Doesn't look very far on the map, but it's quite a long drive. That's not exactly something you're going to do in a day. And and people do. They take a, a bus tour, which must leave, at, I don't know what time, like 4 a.m. or something, and comes back that night to to Paris. But that's crazy because how much time do you spend on there? Like an hour or two? And the best time to visit places like that is to go after hours, after all the buses are gone and spend the evening and you have the place to yourself or go early in the morning. So you can only do that if you have your own car. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. Good. was uh, really great and fun to talk with you about France. Uh, when when do you plan to return there? Hopefully, <laughs> when things settle back down to normal, what's your going to be your next uh, French destination? Are you going back to to Nice to do that workshop? That uh, no, nope, or other other places. Now that's canceled because the rest of the year was already booked, yeah. so uh, it's canceled for this year. And actually, quite a few of the people. Uh, transferred to the Normandy workshop in the fall or Paris workshop. I had to cancel May in uh, in Paris as well. It's just I wanted to do it proactively because, sure. yes, things may, you know, borders may reopen by the end of May, but people need to plan. People are nervous. They don't want to, ha- you know, kind of sitting on the edge of their seats like, oh, am I going to go or not? So um, so people are coming to Paris in in, uh, in October instead. So it's it's working out. So um, next, next is uh, in, in France is Normandy in September and then Paris in October. So, yep, uh, the, the, the busiest season is usually spring, but not this year. But that's okay. You know, there will be spring next year again. There will always be another spring. We will always have Paris in summer. <laughs> that's right. And I want to see you there again. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Okay, Ralph, you have any other questions? I don't think so. This is uh, wonderful. Just, uh, you know, especially with my experience in France last year for the first time in quite a while, it was great to, to catch up with you, Valerie, and find out about yeah. some other regions that I can't wait to get to. And yes, you're absolutely right. It's, it's You don't realize how large France is until you really start thinking about it. And it's a, a very large country, and you just have all these very different, uh, gorgeous regions. So, mm-hmm. can't wait to explore more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Valerie, can where can people find about you online and your next workshops? Yeah, uh, valeriejardin.com, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N, all in one word. And that's where, you know, they Google my name. They'll find everything, Instagram and the podcast, the books, the online classes and the workshops when, uh, yeah, because we will be traveling again soon. So your <laughs> workshop is called Hit the Streets, right? No, the, podca- the podcast. podcast is yes. Hit the Streets. Yeah, yes, the podcast, absolutely. not the workshop, of yep. course. And... Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you are already doing some online learning and ebooks and so on. So even people before people were not allowed to travel, they could still, if they could not travel or reach you on one of your workshops, they could still uh, take avail of your avail of your uh, experience and knowledge, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually doubled up on the on the online classes of teaching two a, a week right now trying to keep people busy and and uh, motivated and inspired so it's been really fun actually um, I started right away uh, after I got back last week and um, uh, setting them up and it's just nice to have a little bit of normal for an hour and and teach like that's what I love to do. So, um, so people can sign up for that. But yeah, the podcast, there's 158 episodes to keep you busy. And that's completely free. So um, lots of inspiration there, too. And you're writing a new book. 
Yes, I'm writing. Uh, so that would be book number 10. And that's uh, writing a new book for Rocky Nook that will come out later this year. And then I'm going to publish another ebook after that, too, for me. So you're always very active. <laughs> well, keeps me sharp. Keeps me. Well, you know, I'm. I work best under pressure. So the busier I am, the 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 better I uh, the better I feel, and, and the the better I work. Ralph, anything new from your side? Ah, uh, well, uh, update. Uh, I did have to postpone a May trip to to the uh, Dordogne region. My uh, France's magical Dordogne trip was, uh, I had to shoehorn it, at least for my schedule, into uh, later in October, October 20th through 27th. So still a few spots left on that uh, experience. And uh, But otherwise, uh, I've got a Costa Rica trip, hopefully in July, if we're, if we're moving about the world at that point. And uh, certainly Copper Canyon in August and and then I start the Europe uh, with Spain, Armenia, Georgia, India, and Cambodia. Uh, finish out the year, but uh, we also have the out of Chicago right. live I was, conference. I was just coming. about to mention that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys go? Are you going to go? Uh, we're not going. We're going to yeah. do it online. <laughs> it's going this year. Oh, it's going to. Well, yeah, it's in June, right? It's in uh -huh. April. They're going. They're doing the out of Chicago live. And oh. online global photography it's all online yeah. yeah go ahead and tell them about it yeah it's going to be from april 24 to 26th and there's going to be i said more than 100 interactive sessions including panel discussions tutorials individual photo challenges group image views and so on uh, i'm just right now in these days i should be working preparing my presentations because I'm going to be presenting something there. Not not yet sure what, but it was kind of. Uh, I'm going to be to to prepare my presentations this week. And, um, so it was planned all along to be online. I don't know. Was I don't it think was, so. No. No. Also, no, I, it, I, I think it's start, Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I don't know that they're not doing a out of Chicago you know, in Chicago late June. Um, I don't know what the status is of that in-person one, but I think Chris wanted to keep people active and, you know, interested Perfect. in photography. And so uh, he put together this uh, online out of Chicago live, he's calling it, and that's for late April. And I'll, uh, I'll be online teaching as well. And uh, so that's that's going to be a great way for people to keep active and keep their photographic juices flowing. So that's I just right. wanted to to give a shout out to them. They, you can find mm -hmm. uh, the, all the information and sign up for it at uh, www.outofchicago.com slash live. And as for me, you can find everything about me as usual at ugochayphotography.com or for my tours, which is... Again, I'm hoping to, to be able to do like you, to resume doing them, maybe in, in the summer or the fall, at tours.ucphoto.me. How about you, Ralph? Yes, so you can always find me at photoenrichment.com and also my new brand, Alacampania Experiences, at alacampania.com. And we'll put some links to that in the show notes. And I am at Ralph Alasco and at Photo Enrichment on all, all the social media platforms. Okay, so that's all for this week. Now let's stay home and shoot. <laughs> <laughs> bye, guys. So long, guys. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>